You are listening to the weekly broadcast of Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. This week, we continue our study on the identity, practices, and purpose of the church with the series we are calling The Church. With this week's message, here is Executive Pastor Derek Hughes. I think I found something that we can all agree upon. None of us came from a perfect family. For some of us, as we think about our family of origin and the way that we were raised, there, there may be something that we would say is in this normal range. For me, um, normal, I'm not sure where that might fall. Uh, there were some things in, in my family is, is when I think about how that was I, I guess I, I'm drawn to the fact that some people might say today that their parents were helicopter, helicopter parents. My parents didn't have rotors. There was no masts. There wasn't an engine, and we were decommissioned. And so that phrase and, and that terminology of what we talk about today doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Thank you. But one of the things that I think about my family of origin and one of the things for us is we had a yearly family gathering. And at our family gathering, there were grandparents and step-grandparents. There were aunts and uncles and step-aunts, step-uncles. There were partners. There were cousins, first cousins, second cousins. There were spouses, girlfriends, boyfriends, and we even had some people that I thought were part of my family, and I didn't know until I was in high school that they weren't. And so our family, when we got together, it could get a bit dicey. Uh, frustrations, significance of place in the family. There were different things, and maybe some of you can relate to this as far as what your family. Now, this is one of our family gatherings, and this is me at a young age. You can tell I was never comfortable with the family gathering. Uh, I don't know if you can notice, but I have a belt around my waist, and I am tied to a tree. <laughs> and I have been given a Frisbee for my entertainment. And so in talking to some other family members later, they felt the same way. And I think part of that and why we, we struggled with this was because we weren't sure of what our purpose was, of why we were gathering. We were just gathering to gather. And so for, for maybe for you, it's, it's a question that we have to ask of what is the biggest reason that we gather and that's why I love the church. With the church, we have a reason to gather. We have purpose. I wrote down some things here just, just to kind of give you an a, a understanding because as we're in the third part of our series of the church, the bride of Christ, we refer to the church as her because she is Christ's bride. And so what is the calling? That's, that's what we're going to spend time talking about today. And so what is the calling? So here's some things that if you say, what is the calling of the church? Well, it's bigger than ourselves. It's inspiring. It makes us better. We're on the same team. We're not just individuals. There is a purpose. 
It has a function that God has outlined. And there are things that he is calling us to do. And we're privileged to join him in the mission. He invites us to be willing partners, co-laborers. We're chosen as his bride and the honor of that. He chooses to use us to share his love so people can have a relationship with him through the sacrifice of his son. And those are just a few examples. You probably could sit down and say, what is God in the church? What, what has he called us to do? And so today, as a family, we realize, though, that we're not always going to get along. That there'll be people that will rub us the wrong way. There's going to be people that we may have strife with. There may be hurt. And that's another reason that I love the church. Because it calls us to something bigger than ourselves. It's not just about me. It's not just about what I want. It's about what God might have for us. And so we're going to talk about three principles of the calling of the church today. There's the upward calling, there's the inward calling, and there's the outward calling. And so this may be new information to you. And so soak this in. This may be something that you have been digesting for a while, and this may challenge you in a few areas as we're looking at God's word of what he has called us to do as his bride. And that's okay. But as we begin, I, I was, when we went over this as a staff on Wednesday, they were like, Derek, you've got to put this in a slide. This upward, the inward, and the outward calling, you've got to put it in a slide. And so I spent Wednesday afternoon, and I spent a good part of Thursday, and I was thinking, all right, how do I illustrate the calling of the church with the upward calling, the inward calling, and the outward calling? And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to make a big circle. And the big circle is the upward calling. And then I'm going to put two smaller circles inside of that, which would be the inward calling and the outward calling. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. No, because if I take that and I turn it this way and it becomes a 3D, what we'd see is that the inward calling, the upward calling, and the outward calling, they're all interwoven. And so as we're going to go through each of these points individually, you're going to notice when we talk about maybe service, that the service of how we serve God and the upward calling and the service of how we serve each other and then the service of how we are serving our community and outward, they're woven through each of these. And so a slide, I just couldn't come up with one. And so let's begin. We're going to begin with the upward calling. And the upward calling is redeemed people. We are called to invest our lives bringing glory to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we see Paul and he is talking through. And just in case you're wondering, excuse me, there's going to be a lot of slides. We're going to show these up on the side. But if you don't have a Bible, we're going to be turning to a couple places. They're on the back carts by the doors. I'd invite you to go ahead and pick one up. And if you don't have one, please keep it. It's our gift to you. But with 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's going to be on our, on our screen in just a moment. Paul, is, he, he's talking about our body. And he's, he's walking us through and he's moving the, this part of our body that the Corinthian church had been utilizing. They had been using it for immorality. And they had been using their bodies sexually in immoral ways. And so when we get to ch chapter 6, verse 19, 
Paul asks this question. It's kind of rhetorical because he's just walked through and outlined our bodies and what we are not supposed to be doing with them. And so he asks the question, he says, do you not know? Do you not know? Do you, don't you get it? Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. For those of us that have been redeemed, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, that we have, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the God of the universe, who sent his Son to pay for our sin, has redeemed us. He has brought us into a relationship with him, and so we are challenged here that do we not know that we are that temple, we are the house, God indwelling in us. When Jesus was with his disciples, he said, I must leave so that the Holy Spirit could come because that will be better. That's to our benefit. And so when we trust Christ, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom we have from God. It's the gift of God's grace. God gave us a spirit to dwell in us, and it's his gift. And so Paul goes on to say, and he says, you are not your own. The upward call of what we have been called to is because of love and what God has done. We don't have the ownership. God owns the opportunity and he wants to use us in a way. And so our, our obligation is upward. When we look at what he's done, our obligation is upward because what? We were bought with a price. And so glorify God in your body. A few chapters over, Paul goes on and he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, how do we do it? We do it to the glory of God. Notice the all-encompassing words here. It's whether or whatever. Whatever we're doing, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we do, we are a representative we are representative of the Father who has redeemed us for a relationship with him. And so we live as redeemed people. And so what we say, what we eat, what we drink, how we behave in this, it, it's for God's glory. And sometimes we can get out of balance with this. But sometimes we do it, we, we're, we're called, or our, our calling as the church is to do it all for God's glory. And so you... You know, Derek, what's, what's an example of, of a thing where we lose the upward call or the side of the upward call of bringing glory to God? Well, as I was thinking about this, I, I, I was reminded in some things in our family. Um, when the focus goes from the upward and the glory, where does it end up resting? On us, on me. And so, when I am not following the upward call, I'm looking around and I'm going, oh, wait. Whew, it's hot in here. Oh, wait, it's cold in here. Oh, wait, they don't play the music I like. Now, my personal is, and you, if you've heard me, I was not born to be a drummer, but man, I want to be. Take that cage off and let them loose. Play those drums. Because that would be my preference. But it's not about my preference. It's about what has God called for us. And so if I'm not following the upward call and it's about me, I'm going to find some of my friends. And I'm going to say, hey, did you notice how quiet those drums were? 
did you notice they don't play the music I want? Or they, it's, it's too warm. And I'm going to call people who don't have, are part of the solution. I'm just calling people because I want the buy-in because it will make me feel better if I tell you about what my grievances are. Lance has defined that in previous message for us as gossip. And so we have to walk through this with the upward call, the upward focus. And so for us and our family, sometimes we want to tell people just how intelligent we are. And so we'll start off with how we're going to fix something. And we've got the best plan and it's the best idea. And if we, if we all would do this, it would work. And we have to stop. And especially with our kids, we'd just say, you're a legend in your own mind. And when we move that further, and another saying that we had in our family, and we get caught up in this sometimes, is we want to fix everything. We want to fix everybody because our perspective is the right perspective. There's a saying, sometimes it's wiser to keep your mouth closed and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And so those were things that we would talk about because when our upward focus is becomes a, about me and about what I want, we lose the chance for God to, to be working out in us because we're gathered to magnify the name, the name of God. One of the things that I love about the church is, is in Revelation chapter 7. The glory of God will be manifested when every tribe and every tongue and every nation gather in the room to give glory to who? The one that glory is due. I love Revelation when it says that blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And that's such an incredible thing for us to think about. We will be gathered, all nations, all people, but we get a taste of that here in the church, in the bride, together. Last week during our connecting hour, it was, it was so, I, I got the privilege of being the last to baptize a friend. And so as I was up there and I was watching the excitement and the families had been, they had been dedicating their children and, and those who were coming out of the waters that have dedicated to follow Christ for their lives because something inward has happened and so they want to express that outward. When we came up out of the water and walked up, Blake got up and started a song. And this emotion came over me and I, I just was tearing up because that's a taste of us with our Savior forever. And so as I contemplated that a little bit more this week, I realized why is that an emotional thing for me? I was only in church with both of my parents twice in my life. Once was when I was baptized, my parents came, and once was when we dedicated our oldest son. And so when that emotion came, I, I understand that. And what, what that will be like when there is no more sorrow and no more pain, that, that God and we will gather. It's incredible to think about. And so we're called to gather to worship him. Our next series is called The One Another's. And so we're going to be working through the one another's of what God is doing. 
And so Joe's going to talk a little bit more about that, but we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so if you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews, he encourages us and he challenges us. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, we're, we're talking about Christ's once-for-all sacrifice. And the incredible thing is, is in verse 12, we see that Christ, he had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He was that sacrifice. And when he offered himself and he'd rise from the dead, he sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 23 says, let us, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised is faithful. Our God is faithful. And so he's called us to something that's bigger than us, our upward worship. And so verse 24 of chapter 10, let us consider. What is it that we need to think about? We need to think about how to stir up one another to love and to good deeds our worship of him and glorifying him. And this is part of that, that inward call. But it's what? Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Part of our worship, our upward call, is to come together. To worship him to bring glory to him, to be faithful to what he has given to us that we might come and we encourage and we show love, but we bring glory to him through that. And for some of you, I, I understand uh, as parents, we had to walk a tightrope with this. And I, I empathize and I sympathize with you because as our boys were coming up and, and this has been changing so much, especially over the last 10 years, when you do sports and extracurricular activities, they take more and more and more of your time. And now they dominate a whole weekend. And they're moving to where there's not opportunities even throughout the week where there's not something going on. And so Tammy and I had to talk about this and we had to resolve that when we encouraged our boys with what God was doing through them and their sports careers, that we were going to hold fast to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And so what that required of us was when maybe on a Saturday when we finished our, our pool games, we would find a body of believers in the Metroplex or in Oklahoma City or wherever we might be called, and we would gather with that family of believers on that night. It also required us on sometimes when we had a scheduled 6 o'clock game and it didn't actually start till 8 or 8.30, it required a late night of us to drive home, to get to the place, and it, we were going to suffer on the next day. And my boys would say, Dad, you're just doing this because you're a pastor. And I'd say, guys, truthfully, there, there is something that's correct because I get four Sundays off a year. But we have seen the calling, the upward calling of God and what he has asked us to do, and that is to worship together with our church family. And so we don't want to forsake that gathering because it is a holy call. It's an upward call. Dr. Con Dr. Tom Constable, one of my Dallas professors, says this. He says, regular attendance at church facilitates love for one another 
Because it is there we receive reminders and exhortations to persevere. It is only natural for one who is abandoned or weakened in his faith to absent himself, to absent himself or herself from the meetings of his or her church. But this is the very thing that a person should not do. Christians need each other. And so worshiping God, coming together, it's part of us bringing glory to him, that upward call. But there is a bigger purpose in everything that we do and why we bring glory to him. It's the church and it's in the community and it's where we travel. God wants us to reflect him in positive ways. And so it says in 1 Peter, Peter says, whoever speaks... Whatever you're saying as one of oracles of God, as one speaks of oracles, and this isn't supernatural speaking. This is what is coming out of our mouth. The things of the Lord. The things that he has called us, the things that he's doing in our lives, and whatever we're speaking, bringing glory to him. Whoever serves, serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And so if we're not serving in the strength that God supplies, and if people are seeing us in action, and it's not about the upward glory, but it's about what we're doing and how it might be seen, it's not the strength that God supplies. God desires to do so much more in us than what we can think or imagine. When we trust him, when we allow him to work through us, but when we're being empowered By him. The second part of that says, though, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, bringing glory to him, to him being long glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The last part of this verse is a doxology, is what our lives should be. Our lives should be focused, the upward call of what God has for us as a church and individuals and in our marriages, in the places we come together. What? To bring glory to the one who deserves our praise. And so to bring glory and dominion forever and ever. And he ends that doxology with, so be it, Lord. Yes, amen. And so the the upward calling is so important, but with it ever present in our hearts and in our minds and in our motives, there's also this inward calling. And in our times today, Man, there are a lot of people that aren't worthy of following. When we think about leadership, there's a vacuum. There's leaders that are self-serving. They lack integrity. They aren't trustworthy. They don't do what they say. We see it in the business world. We see it in the political arena. And unfortunately, we see it in the church. When my brother was born, my parents thought, well, hey, this is the perfect time for us to find and get involved in a church and unfortunately for them a lot of hurt came as a result of that and so when I became a believer being born six years later and not coming to faith till I was in high school two decades later when I became a believer and my mom started talking to me she started telling me of the hurt the hurt that they had experienced in the church And all I could say was, Mom, I'm sorry. But she talked about it like it happened yesterday. And so for the next years, we had that conversation numerous times. For the next decade, 
we had that conversation. And I could say, Mom, I'm sorry. But I'd just stop and I'd pull back and I'd remind her and I'd say, Mom, we don't follow a pastor. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is founded on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the foundation and he is the cornerstone. And so if you're here and you've been hurt by the church, I'm sorry. And I know that pain is real. But remember, as leaders, as volunteers, we're fallible. But we follow the one who is infallible. We follow the one who sacrificed everything for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The foundation, in, in Matthew, when Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Who is the son of man? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, thou art the son of God. And Jesus says, Peter, my father has revealed that to you. And so based on this confession, based on what you're saying here of who I am and acknowledging that, I will build my church. This future time of what I'm going to build is the church. This is the age that we are living in. The church, the church of Jesus Christ. And so he is the foundation. There is no other than Jesus Christ. Peter in Acts chapter 4, he's being challenged. He's being challenged by the religious leaders. He throws down some pretty harsh things to them. He says, this Jesus, this is the one that was rejected. You rejected, rejected by you. The builders, which has become what? The cornerstone. The foundation is Christ. The cornerstone, if it's going to be built up, the cornerstone is key. When you set that on top of a foundation, if the cornerstone is not exact, then the rest of your building will not be able to, to be built without having issues. And so he is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. But verse 12, there is no salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Man, isn't that beautiful? That is so inspiring. It's when we come together. What, why do we come together? Well, we come together for Jesus. Because what we're seeing here is there's no other name. And if you're here this morning and you've been hurt by the church or you're here this morning and you're not sure what God has done for you and Derek, I'm not sure this all comes. Let me just tell you, our God loves you and he sent his son, the son of his love. He looked at him and his son said, I will go. I will pay the penalty and he willingly came. He lived a life without sin. He paid the penalty on the cross for our sin he was buried and he rose again the third day. And that's how we come to faith in him. And so if you've never done that, right where you're seated, you can say, God, I accept the sacrifice of your son and what he did out of love for me. And I trust you as savior. And so there's no other name in which we are saved. And so as we move forward and we've got the inward call and what this means, the inward call is, all right, who do we follow? We follow Jesus because he is the foundation. 
But how does that look? Well, as believers, we're called to live in unity. We're called to live in love. John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As Jesus is in, he's in the upper room. His time is at hand before he's going to go to the cross and he looks at the, the apostles there and he says, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so our inward call is what? It's one of love. People from the outside are watching. How does the church love each other? And sometimes they come back and they're correct and they say, well, they're not doing a very good job. But disciples, our inward call is that of love. If you turn over to John chapter 17 in your Bibles, I just, I am so taken back by what God does for us in John 17. We're going to be in verse 20, but let me just kind of lead up. This is known as the high priestly prayer. And Jesus is, he's encouraging the, the, the apostles and that they would believe and he's praying for them. And he gets to verse 20 and he says in his prayer, I do not ask for these only, meaning the apostles, as he's praying for them, he says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so at the day of Pentecost, when the church is established and the Holy Spirit comes, he sent those out. And we'll look at that a little bit here in a minute. But he sent those out. And what does he pray? They would believe those who are going to come after me. That's us. Those who have come after that are part of the body of Christ that have heard the word. And so what does Jesus pray? He said that they may all be one. Just as you Father are in me and I in you that they would also may be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I give, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them as you have loved me. And so John 13, what love as we've been loved. And now here's this prayer that Jesus prays for us. And he says, Father, I would pray that they would be one. And so how do we handle our differences when this seems like it's, it's an insurmountable prayer? But I think, I think God has answered this. He has answered this for us because when we have the love and unity, but what is it about this? At the cross, there are no second-class citizens. We are one. He doesn't make anyone to be in our faith. Nothing, nobody has more worth. No one has more value. No one can say, I'm elevated because I've done. We are all equal because what? Because of what he has done for us. He made us one. Now, we don't always act that out very well. But this takes us back to the, the upward call of who we are and what our calling is to walk in faith that he might be honored, he might be glorified. And so not only is it important for us that we understand him as the foundation of our inward call and we see that, that it's bigger than us through this, but also his desire is for us to mature as believers. And so he gave some as apostles and some as 
as apostles, he gave everyone who has come to faith a gift, a spiritual gift. Evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So Ephesians 4 here, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11, talks about the gifts. And so when we come to faith, God has given us a gift. And what is the purpose of our gift? One of the purposes of our gift is this inward call to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Warren Wiersbe, a commentator, says it this way. He says, Paul saw the local body of believers ministering to each other, growing, and thereby experiencing spiritual unity. When we do things and when we're serving, we have this part that encourages and we're loving and meals of hope. I was so encouraged, and I know many of you were, to see a couple hundred of our church family out putting meals together for 13,000 people. And I may be misquoting how many that is. It may have been upward of that. But what an incredible thing when the body of Christ comes together and we all use gifts and talents and abilities to bring honor to him. But it's got to stay with that upward focus. For me, when I was a younger believer, I thought, you know what? I read Romans and I read 1 Corinthians and I read Ephesians and I thought, all right, I've decided. My spiritual gift will be giving because I want to be rich. And so God, I want to give a lot of money to the church. But for me to have a a lot of money to give means you have to give me a lot of money. Kind of the vanity of what I was thinking. But instead of being faithful to what God has entrusted, because that's the call for our inward call for all of us to be faithful to what God has entrusted to us, to be giving that to our local body of believers, I wanted more. I wanted to give so much, but to give so much, I had to have so much. And so my thought process was if I say, God, I want to do that, and you'd give me that gift, I'll do that. I'm a good guy, but I was obligating God. And that's not how we, we're gifted. And so we're gifted to use that for his glory and to bring that up so that we can serve the body, we can have this inward calling that's in love and it's in unity and it's in service. But we're also called in our inward calling to be students of the word. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And so part of what we need to be doing is being students of the word that we would rightly handle. We, we live in an age, the, the church age, where once the canon was closed, we have God's word breathed out. And we'll look at that in just a second. But also in our century or in the last few years, we have been given a privilege that no one else has had with so many resources that are at our fingertips so that we might be able to be students of the word, that God then might use us to encourage our body, but also in our outward call to go out. Now, side point for Derek. Please don't elbow anybody next to you. I had to give up fantasy football because the five or six leagues that I was in, 
I was spending so much time looking at waiver wires, possible trades, who was on the market, who was injured, and trying to keep all of my leagues together and checking the standings and checking what was out there that I realized in one week I had spent more time and I was not doing my best to present myself to God in this, but I had spent more time fantasy football than I had the last two months of God's word. And so I thought, well, I'll scale back. Uh, so I don't play fantasy football anymore. And again, don't be doing any of this. This is just something that was for Derek. Because why? We have scripture. And scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God and it's profitable. If I were to tell you, here's something that's profitable, would you say, no, never mind. I don't want something profitable. But God breathed scripture and it's profitable for us. What? It's profitable for teaching. That's what's right. It helps us know what's right. It's profitable for reproof. That's what's not right. It's profitable for correction. That's how to stay right. It's how to get right. And then it's profitable for training in righteousness that we might stay right or stay in fellowship. And God has given us all that through his word. Why? So that we may be complete, equipped for every good work of the inward call and the outward call. Our goal shouldn't just be to know God's word so that we can out-argue somebody, that we can convince somebody that disagrees with us. No, it's to be maturing and loving and have unity. But we're also given this outward calling. As redeemed people, we're called to be witnesses to the person and power of Jesus. In Luke 19, 10, Jesus says, I came to seek and save that which was lost. And that was me. That was us. And so because of what Jesus had done, he wanted to seek and save. And so that mission that started has continued now for 2,000 years. And there's still those who have not come to faith yet. And so Acts 1.8, on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and Jesus told the apostles, the 11 that were gathered there, he said, this day is going to come and the Spirit is going to come and the church will be established and you will be my witnesses. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all ends of the earth. And so what does that mean? Well, if you, if you aren't sh total sure with, with middle, middle East geography there, Jerusalem is Wichita Falls. That's where they lived. And so God calls us to be his witnesses in Wichita Falls. To go out to those that we rub shoulders with, to those who live in our neighborhoods, to those who serve us, to those that we see at different places within our community, those who are in our school, and those, he's called us to be what? Witnesses for him. So that's why it's important that our inward is rightly handling the word of truth and knowing God's word and having love and unity. Why? So that we would focus the glory to him. So do you see why I had a hard time with a slide? Because the witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, that expounded the area. And so God might call some of you to those areas and, and to expand. And then it says to the end of the earth. But he might, not all of us, but where are we faithful? Are we faithful here? I can 100% guarantee you that not everybody in Wichita Falls has come to faith in Christ. And so we're here. 
is witnesses to him and some he may call further. But our goal shouldn't be to have a bigger boundary. Our goal should be to God who's you placed. One of the other things I love about our church is this is happening within our church because God has blessed us with shepherd. And that Air Force base, people come to Grace Church and sometimes we get them for 90 days or six months or three years or an extended period. And unless they choose to retire here after that, God is going to send them somewhere. And so when he sends them out, what we have done here and how we have loved each other well and how we have helped them in their study of the scripture and pointing them toward him, he's going to send them out to serve him. And so in 1 Peter 3.15, but in our hearts, honor the Christ, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Why? Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope is in within you. Do it with gentleness and respect. And so it, it's not for us to try to figure out who it is and what we might say and, and I, to force something down someone's throat. Our outward call is to love people well to encourage and to support them and to get out a little further than just our circle so that God might be able to use us. And what do we do? When they ask us a question, we tell them the hope that we have. One of the ways this, this played out for us is that we chose, and again, this is Hugh's family, we chose not to have our boys play sports teams in Wichita Falls with only our Grace Church friends or only our small group selective friends. Now, we, we took some heat from some of our friends, but we realized that we're the training ground in our home that we want to launch them. And so we were okay with them playing with some coaches who maybe winning was the most important thing or who maybe some other kids didn't act or speak appropriately because that gave us something to talk about at our table. That gave us something to look to. That put Tammy and I in bleachers with people who we weren't totally comfortable and familiar with. Why? With the hope that they might see something that asks us about the hope that is within us. And so now with two boys that are launched, I get calls from them sometimes and their supervisors and bosses don't always treat them Christ-like because they are about a bottom line. They are about the profit loss. They are about what you do. And so we hoped that doing that was going to prepare them because if they were always together in the circle, when that circle expanded, if we hadn't had any input into that, we weren't sure what decisions, and we're still not sure. They're, they're in their own spiritual journey. But we wanted to encourage them as parents. And so how does this flush out for us? What, what is it for us in Grace Church? It's living out the call, the call of this church family. It's one that will never leave us tied to a tree. It's freeing as we follow the one that made our relationship possible and gives us purpose. May Grace Church be known as a family that is investing lives in the upward call of giving glory to God. As we gather to honor the inward call, 
of maturing as redeemed people of God and be witnesses of the outward call by loving people and proclaiming the resurrected Christ to those that have not yet come to know him. You've been listening to the weekly broadcast of Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. You can join us for worship Sunday mornings at our campus on Stone Lake Drive in Wichita Falls. Stream services live online at gracechurch.com or subscribe to our podcast published on Apple, Google, and Spotify. From all of us at Grace Church, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.